everybody, welcome to UGA Sports' show, Rumors versus Fact, the Georgia recruiting show where we try to we threw all the crap that's out there in the uh, Twitterverse and on the message boards and uh, the main boards and all that fun stuff and give you actual facts about Georgia recruiting. Joining me today, we have Jed May, the, uh, I guess we call him director of recruiting at UGASports.com, but our recruiting reporter at UGASports.com will let him put on airs. Then we got Joe Winden. Now, a lot of people don't know who the hell Joe Winden is, but they should because Every coach in America knows who Joe Winden is. Every coach in college level knows who he is. He is the uh, director of uh, Southeastern Recruiting at National Preps. National Preps is an organization that goes out and scouts players. They scout talent. They go find kids that uh, long before they blow up on Rivals or On3 or 24-7 or ESPN, Joe sees these kids light years before we do. And there's been lots of times he's like, hey, uh, Roddy, you need to look at this guy. His name's Mecole Hardman. You know, so Joe knows about him long before we do. And the coaches at the University of Georgia and at the University of Alabama and Texas, Tennessee, Florida, everywhere, they pay tens of thousands of dollars to national preps for these scouting reports, these scouting services. And Joe is one of the guys, uh, a premier guy in the Southeast. Everybody knows him. He goes, they host camps. They go to schools. They get out there. I'll let him explain all this, but I'm just trying to tell you, this is a big freaking deal that we have Joe Winden on the show. Uh, he's not hes not normally in front of a camera. He's not normally out there. You have to be in the business to know Joe. And we've somehow convinced this idiot to come on and be a part of this show. And we suckered him on here. And we're going to try to get him on as much as possible because we are in the business of explaining facts to you, explaining um, uh, what's real and what's uh, not. And there have been times when I'm stuck. I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Let me call Joe. Joe, Joe, no. Joe can get this out. And he's, for some reason, he's always taking my call, and I appreciate that. I've known Joe since the GMC days. Car Hamilton. I think we met when I was coaching at Georgia Military. Yep. Yeah, it, it's been a minute. Anyway, uh, Joe, if you would give me real quick, give us the thirty-second version of how you got to where you are and what you do for the University of Georgia and the other schools out there. I kind of ham-fisted explained it, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah. So I um, I coached high school football uh, in in Georgia for about nine years. Um, I coached at uh, McIntosh High School in Peachtree City, and then I coached at Noonan, Georgia, Noonan High School in Noonan, and then I coached at Carver High School in Columbus, Georgia. And then uh, while I was coaching high school football, the guy who was the head coach at Georgia Military College came through and was recruiting and asked me, did I want to, um, did I want to come coach for him at Georgia Military? So I went to Georgia Military College for a few years, and after about three years there, I was presented with the opportunity for national preps. And um, I, I had kind of gotten to the point where I, I didn't think that college football was where I wanted to be. Um, and I was ready to go back to high school football coaching. I just enjoyed that a little bit better. But it was kind of in a transitional period of time when you kind of need to – it was too late to get a good high school job. Um, so I was either going to have to stay another year or try national preps. Right. So right. I was like, you know what, I'll try it for nine months and then I'll get the job that I want. Uh, 
come come January. And uh, I really liked it. That was 11 years ago. Um, and, and what it allows me to do is it allows for me to go out and use my network within the Southeast, specifically Georgia, to identify and evaluate high school players and junior college players that can then go on to the next level. And the great thing in my mind about what we do is, yeah, we work with Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, Florida State, Clemson. We work with those names, but we also work with Berry College. We work with Reinhardt. We work with Georgia Southern. We work with Georgia State. We work with uh, Mercers, all the Ivy Leagues, all the Patriots, all of the uh, service academies. So we're able to identify kids for the top level programs, but then also identify kids for programs all throughout the country at different levels. So it's really helpful to kids. And the great thing about our the way we do it is it doesn't cost the high school or the kid and the parents any money. The colleges are the ones that have the budgets for the recruiting um, and they're the ones that pay the bill. So um, essentially, if you can think of it kind of like a, uh, you know, we're, we're the boots on the ground. And, and again, like in the state of Georgia, we work with the University of Georgia because I'm, I've known Kirby for over 15 years. I've known Dale McGee. I used to coach on his staff. I know a lot of the guys. They don't need us so much to help them evaluate players. What we do for Georgia is we provide names early, right? Or we provide names that are coming on quickly later in the process. Uh, but for someone like Rutgers, for example, they don't know what's going on in the state of Georgia or say Texas A&M. It's, it's difficult for Texas A&M to know about Georgia kids until they've hit kind of the mainstream and then, then they can pick up on those kids. So we really help those type programs. Um, you know, the LSUs, the 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 uh, Alabamas, I mean, for the Georgia fans, you're like, hey, wait a minute, you're helping our enemies. Uh, but, I mean, ultimately, the kids that we're giving the names to the University of Georgia for, I mean, it's not like the rest of the country is not going to know who that kid is. They are. It's just a matter of when you get that name in front of them. And well, that's the thing. A lot of kids, and uh, Jed can back me up here, when you talk to a kid that's going to the University of Georgia, we're like, okay, what what put them over the top? He's like, well, they were the first school to offer me. Yep. They were they were the first ones, you know, and that meant a lot to me. And I, <clears throat> that and and it matters. So I know you're you're not in the decision room saying, hey, should you offer this guy or not? You're just putting him on Georgia's radar. They, it's their evaluation, and you we talk about this every week. A lot of schools are waiting to see who Georgia offers, who Alabama offers, and then then they jump in with a big bag of NIL saying, uh, hey, look, you know, you're good enough to play at Georgia. You're good enough to come here to Miami with this, you know, million-dollar deal. So we see that. So you're getting ahead of them. You're telling me about a kid in Kansas. Explain that just for as a concrete example yeah. of what you do. Yeah. So, you know, we, we identify kids in a multitude of different ways. Um, and – the, the main way that we identify kids is we have scouts like me strategically throughout the country, right? And so we'll have people in areas that are going to see kids 
And and what we do is we, we go to the high school coach or we go to an event or we go and start watching film on kids. And you're trying to find those guys that fit the profile of a college football player. Now, for us, that's a wide range because we're not just looking for players that would fit Georgia, but we're also looking for players that would fit West Georgia or Valdosta State. And that's a big range in there, right? So ultimately, you're looking for kids that have uh, size, speed, strength, and, and, and a basic skill set. Right. And so our our local scout will go through and and identify people that look the part and that have a a specific skill set. Then what what will happen is it'll get passed to someone like me or one of our other regional guys that have a little bit more experience with evaluating players from a video standpoint to try and kind of slot them in where they would be. So there's a kid that was um, put in front of me not too long ago um, that was out in Kansas. And he's a, you know, scout said to me, he said, hey, he's 6'6", 300 pounds. He's a high school wrestler and he's a basketball player and he plays offensive tackle. And he started to pick up, you know, some small offers here and there. And so I turned the film on and um, – you're starting to watch the kid and, and he, he bends well and he's got explosive power and he runs his feet on contact. But with with offensive linemen and specifically offensive linemen and sometimes with defensive linemen, it's kind of like how players get drafted in baseball, right? Like with, with big guys, it's more about the potential of what they can be rather than what they are currently. So you evaluate a big guy and a skilled guy very differently with prospects. So that big guy, you're looking for traits. Can he, is he flexible? Is he athletic? It's not about whether or not he can play the position yet, right? Because you're going to take a big guy with traits and skill set, and then you're going to teach him how to play that position. But a wide receiver, a defensive back, a running back, um, basically you're saying – is this guy good at what he does or is he not, right? But with this offensive lineman, you take a look at him and you start to see these traits of he's long, he's athletic, he can run his feet on contact. When he blocks people, he has agility, he has balance, all of those type of things. And and if he's not necessarily very strong or technically sound yet with an offensive lineman, it's not that big a concern because – if you, I mean, you know this, and probably most of your subscribers know this, we'll go out, or Georgia will go out, and they'll sign the, the top offensive lineman in the country. And then he don't get a chance to get on the field until he's a redshirt sophomore. People are like, well, wait a minute. He was a five-star. He was this. He was that. We're paying him all this NIL money or whatnot. It, listen, it's about the development of those positions, and I think Georgia has done one of the better jobs in the country with it. Now, they start with a good product of the of the – athlete being big being strong being athletic but then it's it's how you take those traits and then make them into good football players whereas with skilled players a lot of times you'll see them get on the field much faster because you don't have to really teach that guy from the baseline of this is how you get in a stance this is how you do this but with offensive line you do do that and so there was a kid in kansas that met all this criteria that um, 
that looked apart and we did an evaluation on him and got that in front of the coaches at Georgia because when I got done with the evaluation, I was like, you know what, this, this is a kid that can really play and um, put that in front of them. And recently they, uh, they, you know, the kid reported that they offered him now, whether or not the, they've actually offered him a committable offer yet. I, I'm not sure they, uh, all of that is kind of the way the business is, but he reports that he has an offer from the university of Georgia. And I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but it's first name is Andrew and the last name is Bababola or something like that. Bababula, uh, something of that nature. And he's at uh, Blue Valley West High School out in Kansas. And uh, he's a he's a phenomenal athlete for a big guy his size. And, um, you know, one of the kids that I, I saw in the past that kind of made me do the same things, same thing was a kid named uh, Mims from Blakely County, right? So okay. who? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let me give you a quick story on Mims, right? So it's story time with Joe. That's what that's what everybody's been waiting on. They're like, get to the point, Joe. So he's a freshman and um Vaughn Lasseter is the head coach since his first year at Blakely County. I'd known him from when he was at Houston County. And um he calls me and he says, Hey, I got a senior wide receiver who is six foot four, 190 pounds, really good player, but it's, you know, he, he doesn't have any interest really going on right now. And, you know, I'd like for you to come see him and see if you can get his stuff out there. And, oh, by the way, as a junior, he was a high jump champion. So I'm like, great. I'm going to go watch this kid. Turn on the film. I was like, wow, phenomenal. So I go watch the kid in person I take some video. And then I see this monster over on the offensive line. And I said, who is that? And he said, oh, that's his little brother. He's a ninth grader. Probably going to be a decent player. And I said, probably. I said, Vaughn, you got a lottery ticket, man. <laughs> and, and at the time, he's like 6'5 and 230 pounds. And he, 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 gets a, he doesn't really know how to get in a stance, doesn't really know how to play offensive line, any of that. Well, I take some pictures. And I do an evaluation and I start to send that out. And uh, it's really kind of, that was the fall of his freshman year. And it was really about the fall of his sophomore year when the, when the recruiting and the offers really started to pick up for him. But he, that, that's another example of a big guy who, you know, and even when Mims graduated high school, his senior year, he really wasn't a good offensive lineman yet. He was a very talented athlete with size and traits, but he really wasn't a good blocker yet. He didn't really understand how to play the position. And then he got to Athens and they start teaching him how to play and they start teaching him the nuances of playing offensive line. And obviously you guys have seen the rest, but um, that's kind of what it is that we do, right? It's, it's finding that kid, um, but conversely, it doesn't have to always happen when they're freshmen. Like the, uh, there's an example of a recent Georgia signee um, in this class who I think is has the potential to be the gem of this class. Um, and his name uh, is. I, I need Tom. to make a mark here because we'll probably pull this out later on. The the gem of the the potential gem of the class um, is Nasir Johnson 
from uh, Dublin High School, right? So in December, after his junior season, he has literally no interest offers. Uh, I know he didn't have any offers at the time and basically no colleges knew who he was. And he was being evaluated as, uh, as an offensive lineman. Um, he was playing sparingly, sparingly on defense. And uh, I was looking for players. One of the other things that I do is I help the Georgia Athletic Coaches Association put together the rosters for their all-star game. And I was putting together the roster for that. And I talked to his head coach and I said, hey, we're wanting to play in the game. And he comes to the game and he plays okay. But you could see that he was another big guy with traits. It's a big athletic kid that has traits, but he doesn't know how to play the position yet. Now, all, all cards on the table being honest, I was still thinking of him as an offensive lineman as well. I hadn't really thought of him as an interior defensive lineman yet either. Uh, but then I started sending his film out and sending his information out to our clients, and people started getting back to me saying, hey, we really like these defensive clips. I was like, okay. Well, I had a camp coming up in March, and I asked him to come to the camp and work out exclusively as a defensive lineman. And he did. And one of the things that I had seen on his Twitter page is that he could do a backflip. So here's a guy that at camp measured six foot six, and uh, excuse me, he, he measured six foot five at camp and 297 pounds. And I said, hey, Nasir, can you do a backflip like you did on your Twitter? And he was like, now? Yeah. And this was at the end of camp. I mean, he'd been through 40s, everything. He'd taken probably 30 or 40 reps. And he says, yeah, sure. And so I just grabbed, we have an app that allows us to video straight into the guy's profile. And he takes about four steps and does a backflip. And I was like, that's unbelievable. You know, and so send it out. And long story short, you know, January, February of his senior year, he started to gain interest. And I, I believe uh, that he was unranked with your service and most services uh, up until around uh, November or December. Um, and even though he, he had some offers, he hadn't really climbed up that board because it all happened to for him so fast. And um, he was committed to Florida for a little bit. And then Georgia was able to get convince him to come and play for them. But when you watch a guy like him, you see that he's, he's long-limbed. He has really good change of direction for a guy his size. Um, and he's twitchy. And the, the term twitchy just means, you know, he can stop and start really quickly. Uh, and you see right there on that clip, he's just like to change direction like that at six, 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 five, six, six, around 300 pounds um, is, is, is rare. You, you just don't see it. Um, and the great thing about Nasir is the floor of his potential is very high, right? Because of those skill sets. But the ceiling is unlimited because once he actually learns how to play the position, and how to use those traits that he has to to on a down in down out basis to really wreak havoc with offensive lines. Um, I, I I think that it's going to be phenomenal. Um, conversely, 
one of the guys that Georgia signed in this class that you see is is probably ready to play a lot more quickly than Nasir is in this class. He's probably going to come in and play fast. Is Joseph uh, Jonah Ajaye? I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his, his last He's name. JJA. Okay. Yeah, JJA. But now here's a kid who's been playing that defensive line position for, I know, four years. I don't know what he did in middle school, but the four years of him in high school. And you're going to see the difference in the technique and those type of things in these two guys when you watch the video. But you have to keep in mind that there is a lot of learning left for Nasir to do. And once Nasir learns how to use all of those traits that he has, you'll see a lot more plays from him that are more indicative of what you're seeing from JJA right now, right? And that, you know, they're different players, whereas JJ is more of an edge guy that's going to get up, get after the passer. And Nasir is more of an interior guy who's going to push the pocket and stop the run. However, the suddenness and the twitchiness that Nasir brings to the table as an interior guy, he just he's going to create such matchup problems. But I wanted to make the point between the two in that this guy's been playing that position for a long time exclusively with a lot of training, a lot of coaching, a lot of knowledge about how to do it. Nasir's going to get that in the first year or two while he's at Georgia. And if all of those, if the light bulb comes on and all of those things come together, Nasir, excuse me, Nasir has the potential to be one of the best players in that class. Even though the ranking may not say so today, um, the, the the traits are there. And, um, you know, one other guy, and, and again, if I'm just running on Roddy and you want to talk about something else, let me know. Um, but Lad McConkie is a guy that uh, I saw as a 10th grader. And as a 10th grader, I put him in our system just as like a group of five prospect. And I was sending him out to other uh, colleges kind of like as a, you know, an, a group of five type of player. And then he had a really good junior year. And um, usually about that time is when Georgia starts to look at potential walk-ons. You know, they'll start to make an initial list of guys that they want to target that are potential walk-ons for them. And, and I sent a report to them that had Lad in it uh, as one of those guys. And really the biggest thing that, that I missed on and most of America missed on with Lad is you said, well, he's so small. How is he going to be able to, you know, compete at the level that Georgia plays at? He probably needs to compete more at the Georgia Southern Troy Coastal level. It wasn't his movement skills. The movement skills, the speed, the transition, the stop and start, the agility, all of that was there from the beginning. It was just one of the things that you think about in your evaluation is availability, right? And yeah. if they're if they're hurt and on the sideline, they're not available to play. And so a lot of times you say, okay, if this 170-pound guy runs a crossing route in the SEC and he gets hit by a linebacker, how many times is that going to be able to happen and him still be able to get up and get back in the huddle, right? Look at that face. Look at that little face. <laughs> but I was watching uh, just yesterday. I kind of had it on the side, and 
lad was going through some drills at the senior bowl and they were talking about a lot of the same things that I had mentioned uh, when he was coming out of high school, just that, you know, he had stop and start. He had straight line speed. He had uh, instincts and he was the way that I described him is he's just a football player, you know, and uh, I think, you know, Georgia really hit on lad when they decided to take him and get him in the program. And uh, obviously he helped, he was a big part of their success over the last four years, you know? So you, so you basically found an Amarius Mims as a ninth grader and lad McConkey is what a 10th grader. That's when I found them and then right. started pushing them out to our clients. Yes. That's so anyway, folks, that's the reason we're having uh, Joe on and hope to have him on more in the future. He's a good, I mean, he's seen these guys. He's been in the trenches. He goes to and, school. And the he's the name is slipping my mind, and if he's watching this, he's going to hate me forever. But who's the who's the defensive end that Georgia signed the year before last from Hardaway High School in Columbus? Michael Williams. Michael, yes. So Michael was one that um, we identified as a freshman. Then he played in our sophomore All Star game. And it didn't take a whole lot to identify him. Uh, you know, that that was a quick 30-second uh, eval as a 10th grader. Um, you know, we saw him kind of go A to B and then go speed to power. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, this is different, you know. Um, yeah, I and mean, some of those guys stand out. You know, when you – I remember the first time I laid eyes on Broderick Jones. I'm like, God damn, you know. Yeah, and yeah I, I mean, honestly, the guys that – the guys that Georgia's going to recruit, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Florida State, those those type of guys, you don't have to have a great eye to identify those guys that are in that prospect pool, right? The ones that, that are in that prospect pool, most people can say that looks a little different. It's once you get them into that prospect pool, then it's it, the knowledge is how do you take that pool of 300 and bring it down to more like 75, you know? And yeah. more times than not, the hardest evaluation, but the most important evaluation on those 300 guys is what's between their ears. And I'm not necessarily talking about the intelligence. It's what is their why? When they yeah. wake up in the morning, what is their why for being a football player? Do they enjoy the process of getting better? Do they enjoy the competition of the day-to-day -day grind of football, right? And when you find those guys that have the talent and have the mental drive to be great for the sake of being great, not necessarily be great for the money or be great for the accolades or be great for the pat on the back. It's I want to go out and compete so that I can know that I'm the best one on the field. You know, See, that's why they, when we asked, why did you take Chaz Chambles? You know, defensive yeah. end that doesn't test off the charts, you know, wasn't as highly ranked as some of the others. And uh, I asked the guy at UJ, I'm like, oh, well, and not, you know, like second guessing them. I was like, okay. And I was going down the list. What do you see in this guy? What do you see in this guy? What do you see in this guy? And I'm like, hey, what do you get to Chaz Chambles? Well, he, well he's a football player. And I'm like, no, don't give me that cliche. I hate that thing. And he's like, no, Roddy, he's a football player. Lunch bell kid, it's, and he said it's between it's what's between the years. And he goes, if I have Chaz Chambliss in the weight room, he's going to push those five stars to max out every rep because they're going to see a guy who's working harder than they are in the weight room in every run, in every drill. 
and this, he's going to keep them on their toes. And he's good enough to play for us. He's good enough to start for us. I'm like, okay. Yep. So, and again, you, you got to find those guys who can offset the uh, – You have to have lunch pail peel. You know, I, I don't know how much – I'm a big Braves fan, right? Yeah. And I listen to anything that Alex Anthopoulos has to say <laughs> about the Braves. And one of the big things that Alex Anthopoulos is always talking about is bringing in the right guys that fit their culture, right? And you hear the word culture and it's a buzzword. You hear the word football player and that's a buzzword. But ultimately what you're doing is you're talking about the attitude of those talented individuals that you have out there. What is their why? You know, are they in it? Do they have an internal drive to be better today than they were yesterday? And if you find a talented athlete that has an internal drive that their motivation is to get better every day, then you have something they can reach their potential. Um, the reason guys get fired in college football or really in athletics in general is because you take guys that have potential that they don't live up to. And sometimes as fans, evaluators, we put expectations on these kids that they just can't possibly meet, right? But if they've got the right kind of internal drive that motivates them day to day to be better than today than they were yesterday, they have a chance to reach that potential. And that's really all you can ask for is to give a kid an opportunity to reach his potential. And, um, those guys that are in it because like I saw it when I was coaching, we would have kids that enjoyed being recruited more than they enjoyed playing football. Right. And that, well, hell yeah. come on, essential man. kissing your ass versus running. Coach, right. But then I've had a kid that when I was coaching, didn't care anything about the recruiting process and just wanted the opportunity to compete at a high level. And, Surprise, surprise, that guy made it to the NFL. Whereas the guy who had the potential but enjoyed the recruiting process more than he enjoyed playing, he didn't quite make it, you know. And because water finds its level, right? Like if the cream will rise to the top or whatever little slogan you want to put to it, um, the best players, ultimately, you'll get the best out of them. And they'll rise all right, so looking over this list of uh, Georgia signees, and we'll talk about uh, Terry Busey here in a minute and uh, Matt Zollers, the quarterback that came by from uh, you know, the 2025 kid. We've got some questions that we'll get to, but I want to look at the um, – uh, you mentioned a couple guys that you know Georgia signed. I want to know who on this list you have as a – who has a good why, you know, a guy that we should be looking forward to, a guy that we should be excited about, maybe one that we, you know – we, we have a running joke here, Joe, that Jed does the, the rankings at UGA Sports and at Rivals.com. And yeah, we got to be careful because some people are starting to believe that bullshit. <laughs> so you do the rankings. It's a committee, Everybody. but we, we blame Jed. We go, damn it, Jed, why did you rate this guy higher? Or, you know, but so, so for folks, listen, who, I, 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 don't, I don't know DeMello Jones is why I don't. But I think DeMello Jones is one of the more freaky athletes that I've ever seen in my life. 
Look at look at Lance going. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. So uh, twice this year, he's does everything. Like literally, yeah. every position. I mean, to me, he's the closest thing to Champ Bailey that's been in Athens, and since Champ Bailey's been there. Um, if if Georgia was ever going to play a guy both ways, and have just get the ball in the guy's hands and let him be an athlete and catch passes, run jet sweeps. You know, there, there's a term in football that you have a, a toy on offense, right? And usually uh, people apply it to a, a smaller statured peanut type of guy. Um, but to me, he's, he's a toy, he's a slot, he's an outside receiver, he's a corner, he's a safety, he's a kick returner. He is just a guy that Offensively, if you put the ball in his hands, special things happen. And defensively, and I know it's high school, and and, and that's one thing. But at times, he just complete. He he could shut down the entire side of the field. You know, you just you just didn't if you didn't go over there, and if you did, he would make you pay. And when he made you pay, it usually cost you six points because he would intercept it and just return it for a <laughs> touchdown. Um, so, I, again, I, I'm not sure of his why, but I, I've seen the kid in person at practice a couple of times. I've seen him in person at a game, and he is an intense individual who seems focused, and there's not a lot of rah-rah. It's not a lot of beating his chest. Look at me. Um, the guy just is – he he's – He's fun to watch, you know, and I watch a lot of kids and I don't become fans of a whole lot of kids, but I would say I'm kind of a fan of his because I mean, I just like the way he plays the game and I think his potential is unlimited. Thoughts on that there, Lance? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would completely agree. Just talking with him after some of these games um, or after the one game I talked to him, they, I didn't even talk to him after they lost the state championship, but just seems like a nice seems like a nice kid. His head's on straight, and and I mean he wants to be a and he wants to be at Georgia. I asked him, I was like, you know, you how do you like being an in-state kid? He he lit he lit up. He goes, Man, Kirby's from Bainbridge. I'm from you know southeast Georgia. He said we gotta keep the state locked down. And I can tell that he uh that he's very proud to be, I think, not speaking for him, but I I think that he's very happy where he's at and I think that Georgia got to steal with him because I think if he's a metro if he's in metro Atlanta he's you know five star he I think he's you know a top I mean he's a top player in the country but I think he'd be even rated higher if he was in the metro area so that's a steal for Kirby and them to go into what is it Emanuel County and go out and get that kid well and to Joe's point what you're we talking about earlier about Georgia getting on kids early DeMello started blowing up it was november of 2022 and georgia offered and they were like his fifth power five offer or, or something like that and his you know his biggest one before that was like indiana or something and then georgia comes in and, it, and it's a whole new ball game and he you know, that was november he committed i think in april or may uh, of and never really uh wavered after that and that's the like you were talking about earlier roddy the 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 special feel it has for these kids it, to the 25 class. Elijah Griffin is the number three player in the country 
Georgia was his first offer in eighth grade. You know, Ladamian Guyton, his teammate, Georgia was his first offer in, uh, I think he was in eighth grade or rising up to be a, uh, a freshman. Nice. So those nice. kids like that, that are going to eventually be noticed across the country, getting in on them early is, is, uh, is, is so important, especially when they're the guys um, w- within your state's borders, within a, you know, two, three, four hour drive of campus. And I don't know how much you guys have ever really looked at it, but if you look at a lot of the in-state difference makers that have came to Georgia um, and just just say in the in the Kirby area era, but I think it, it goes back into into Mark Rick's time as well. But the vast majority of those in-state difference makers come from South Georgia. Yeah. Outside of the metro Atlanta area. Right. And. I got nothing against Metro Atlanta. I love it. It's good. But the the kids that have the size and the skill set that come from rural areas, which is South Carolina, South Carolina, the whole state of South Carolina is basically the same type of kid that you get out of South Georgia. The yeah. panhandle is the same kind of kid you get out of South Georgia. South of Birmingham, excluding Mobile, Alabama, is the same type of kid you get out of South Georgia. Right. And these are rural country kids that have a different type of why. Right. They are. And I'm not saying every one of them comes from an underprivileged type background. I'm not saying that. But for a lot of those kids, their way to succeed is on the football field. Right. In the metro Atlanta area or in other or in cities, you just have a lot of other different opportunities and a different different things that you can focus on in high school. Um, and those rural kids that come out of the country areas, they're generally more determined to succeed than sometimes a city kid is. And, and I'm making a general- I'm gonna disagree with you right there. I'm gonna disagree with you for one reason. I mean, you're right, but I, I also believe that the kids that come out of those more rural ki- communities, the, it almost feels as if they're not as well polished because they don't have like the extra coaches. They don't have the, like if, if you go through the. Uh, but to me, that's not a negative. And in the evaluation process, that is a positive. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because so you don't have somebody, he's not overcoached. He's not maxed out. And when he gets there, it's, it to me, if you can, if you're going to, we just have people talking about uh, uh, ECI. You know, when you went down to see Washon Ely, it's just natural. When you and I watched the game, we were at uh, Thompson High School, you know, and we were, uh, and then uh, the Alabama coach was there. I can't remember the defensive line coach, and we were talking to him too. I remember that. Uh, when you go to these smaller schools and you got these guys, they play outside all the time. They they don't have as many facilities. They're hitting dummies that aren't super padded. They're not. They don't have an extra coach. In other words, if, if for them to break through, to be seen, I think they come with a better skill set. Now, fewer of them come because it's a lot easier to go just recruit out of Gwinnett and get a lot more of them. Go to Buford, go to IMG, go to you know the uh, the big schools, you know, and load up. But when you get these kids, you know, the guy said you know cornbread fed, absolutely. Uh, they come in and they just have. I know you're saying they may be hungrier, but at the same time, I just think they're a little bit 
twitchier, as you were talking about. They're a little bit faster. They're a little bit stronger. And it, it builds into their success. Whereas some kids who are at uh, some of the metro schools, they're almost maxed out because yeah. their coaches have gotten so much out of them, you know. And but and that's why I was saying. Well, when this kid, he's great at Grace and he's great at Buford. When he gets to college, he's going to be even better. I'm like, no, that might be as good as he's going to get. But this yeah. kid from, uh, you know, lo- uh, small town with one red light, you were talking about the floor, you know, for Nazir yeah. Jones. Their floor might be a little bit higher. Now, will they hit their ceiling? We don't know. We're talking about the why, but I'm just saying there's something about getting, you hit the, uh, Warner Robbins is like, these kids can freaking play, you know. Yeah. They might not have as good a floor. You're coming out of Brunswick? You're going ball. Micah Morris yeah, is just throwing them, people around. I call them red clay kids. There you go. Red, red clay, clay on the toes. <laughs> you know, red, red clay kids are just built a little bit different, man. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and that's why you're, you're exactly right. The ceiling is higher. There's more, you know, kind of meat on the bone to develop. Thank you. Um, I couldn't put it into words. That, that, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, Trayvon Walker, for instance, out of uh, Thompson, you know, he he uh, he played he he's one of the first kids um, that played in our sophomore all-star game as a freshman. He and uh, what was the other gosh, just drafted by the Eagles that played at Georgia was in Savannah, IMG. Nolan Smith. Yeah, Smith. So him and Nolan. Played in our freshman all played in our sophomore all star game as freshmen, right? They would kind of let them play up that year because I was like, we don't get them to play this year. They're not going to play as sophomores because these guys are going to be two of the most highly recruited kids in the country. <laughs> so, so I was like, look, we got to get them now. We're going to get them. <laughs> so get them in now. Yeah. So, so we let them play as freshmen in the sophomore game, and they, they did just fine. Um, yeah. But. Trayvon was another one of those guys that, you know, he wasn't really polished when he left Upson Lee and got to Georgia. He wasn't he, – he had a lot of learning to do when he got there. But once he learned how to play the game with the skill set that he had, I mean, he kind of took off, you know. And, uh, you know, conversely, and I think Nolan did a great job at the University of Georgia, but – what you're talking about before, those kids that are trained up and you get maximum uh, development in high school, what he did in high school, going to a, going to IMG, there wasn't as much meat left on that bone when he got to Athens. And so some people will say, you know, he didn't meet the expectation that people put on him. Now, I think some of the expectation is you had to be Superman to meet it, yeah. right? But even given that, like, the 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 development of when he got there he didn't need a whole lot of development he just had to learn how to play within the scheme where with Trayvon there was more of needing to learn the the finer points of playing the position to be good enough to then take advantage of your skill set and your potential that makes perfect sense I uh, let's give one more give me one more defensive guys we talked about two defensive guys in this signing class and I want you to give me one more guy that we should be looking at. You were talking about uh, physical freaks. I think we're taking Johnson as one. I think he's we're, we're not live. You can cut this up, right? No, we're live, baby. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we're, 
We got a few um, hundred people watching you, so uh, I got to be careful with my my language. I, I got to get chided for that. Right. Yeah. I don't. I, I hopefully I haven't dropped any f bombs yet. Not yet. Um, I, I got a pretty potty mouth. Um, an offensive guy. Now no, defense. Let's stay on defense. We'll do offense next okay, time. Stay on defense. Okay. Um, you mentioned JJA. You mentioned Nazir Johnson, and uh, of course uh, Demello can play either. Yep. Um, Quintavious Johnson out of Mays, I really like. I think that even though he's a city kid, I think they they asked him to do so much at Mays. He played quarterback, tight end, wide receiver, and then he played defensive end. He played defensive tackle. They stood him up and had him play defensive line, uh, play some linebacker at times. Um, they put him I, at cornerback or slot. Yeah, <laughs> slot, yeah. slot corner, and just, he took on uh, Gregory. That's <laughs> great. He's he's an he's another unbelievable athlete that you know there is a there's a lot of meat on that bone to develop him as as it pertains to playing in the trenches, being a pass rusher, understanding how to play the run, understanding his fits, where his hands go. Uh, but there's you know, just like Nasir, there is a ton of talent and ton of potential there to develop. I mean, he's 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 long, he's twitchy. I mean, anytime you talk about a lot of these guys that Georgia offers, and then uh, ultimately if they sign them, it's a lot of the same terms, and so it can become mundane. You start looking for new <coughs> vocabulary to describe these guys, but. You know, long, athletic, and twitchy over and over and over. But it kind of that, that's where the, that's where it starts, right? If 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 you don't have length, if you don't have athleticism, you don't have twitch, then you don't really have the baseline skill set to start to develop a great player, right? Um, and and I think that's been one of the staples that. Georgia has done really good under Kirby with their evaluations is identifying talent is one thing. Like, like I said before, a lot of these guys, you can watch them and oh, that's different, you know, but then after you've identified the prospect pool, really having a good understanding of what you're evaluating, you know? Um, and, and I think they've done a really good job because they do have the ability to go on the vast majority of kids in the country and they've made some really good decisions on who they do go on. They've created a lot of depth in their roster, you know. Um, and you see, like with the transfer portal now, kids that are that would have been in that depth coming back next year have, you know, jumped in the portal and want to try and go play somewhere else. Um, so I think it did. They did take a a little bit of a hit this year with their depth, but I don't think they're done. Um, with the transfer portal, I think you'll see them acquire some more transfers after the spring eval. Um, they probably lose a couple think, too. Pardon? They probably lose a couple kids too. Maybe, um, but you know, I, I I wouldn't be surprised at all that if um, if Quintavious Johnson. Um, he is like just start calling them the Johnson brothers, Hellman uh Nasir end up being uh, real staples of what's going on in the interior of the defense over the next few years. I wouldn't expect too much out of those two next year though, you yeah. know, as a fan base. 
I don't think that they're going to see a lot of meaningful playing time just because they do have so much learning of how to play the position. But uh, after a year with the staff and and getting an understanding of how to play the position, I think that you'll see them take off very quickly. And uh, yeah, Trey Scott usually isn't rolling out a bunch of freshmen out there. That's just yeah. not in his uh, wheelhouse. <laughs> no. But now I would I would not be surprised if uh, I would not be surprised if uh, Demello sees meaningful playing time this year on on at least one side of the ball. I don't think that they would play him both ways as a freshman. Um, but we actually they, asked Kirby about that, and he said it's too much for a freshman because it's like, look, I need you to learn one position first before we throw two at you. You know, mm-hmm. having a guy run from trying to you learn all the wide receiver stuff and then run over and learn the cornerback stuff when they're going on simultaneously. He's like, look, it's it's too much. You know, we just we, it's but too if much. He's further, if he's pushed way down on the depth chart at, at, at uh, corner, then I wouldn't be surprised if Bobo's like, hey, we uh, we can get him the ball, guys. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, Mike, Mike's a thief. He and Brian McClendon will steal your, your talented guy. He's like, hey. And, and, and they both played with champs. They'd be like, hey, you know, that's that's kind of a champ Bailey guy. You know, <laughs> he'd come play corner next year when he's further up the depth chart. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, what was it? Um, remember they started Mecole on defense before they moved mm-hmm. him over? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, well, my n- number one wasted year of all time. <laughs> Alec Ogletree playing safety for the first year. Yeah. Mm. And then, hey, credit to Todd Grantham. I know we crap on Todd Grantham all the time, you know, third and Grantham, whatever. And he, he said, look, I told Alec, uh, if you want to make a lot of money in the NFL, I need to move you closer to the ball. <laughs> yeah, so my first year coaching high school football, uh, Alec Ogletree was on that team at Noonan High School. There you go. And he was a phenomenal player. Hell, Xander was too. Uh, we talked about a lot of guys from this past signing class, you know, or I say past signing class as if it was done. But next Wednesday is the actual signing day. Now, it is yeah. technically the official signing day, and the one in December is called early signing day. But we've had this conversation on here. We made kind of the in the uh, the UGA Sports style guide for folks that don't know what that is. There's a uh, you have the AP style guide. It's how you write your stories. It's how you refer to things. In the UGA Sports style guide, I made the executive decision. We're no calling. We're no longer calling it uh, early signing day in December. It's signing day. Okay, yeah. we'll call this one the late one, or we'll call this one the OG. You know, the original signing day. But next Wednesday is signing day, and uh, there's you know questions with uh, can Georgia sign uh, this guy here? Uh, let me put him on screen. Uh, Real quick, thoughts on uh, can Georgia land Terry Bussey, the five-star uh, athlete, the number one athlete in the nation, committed to Texas A&M, uh, looking at LSU, visited Georgia recently. I I don't think it's, Georgia's got a, a good chance here, but uh, let me get your thoughts on it, guys, real quick. Yeah, took an yeah. OV over the weekend, was the only, like, only 2024 guy, obviously. It was him and Matt Zollers, the quarterback, were the only two guys on campus, so – uh, plenty of attention from the defensive coaches. Um, like you said, Roddy, I just it is 
it's Dante Williams who came over from USC that's gotten Georgia into this, and that's great, but it, it has seemed like it's going to be a Texas A&M and LSU battle for a while. Um, I still think that's probably where he's going to end up. Uh, he's, as far as I know, still got visits um, to those two schools lined up, I guess, in the next week. I guess I'm sure one this weekend before signing day. Um, so, you know, it, it's not impossible. Uh, you know, Georgia is going to be in his ear. I'm sure there's in-home visit um, in the works or has already happened. Um, but I, I, right now I would pick him to end up, uh, at A&M or LSU, but like you said, right, there's, there's six days till signing day and there's a, a, a lot can go back and forth. Uh, well, between I, I'll put it this way. George is behind on NIL with this kid. There are others schools offering more NIL. That doesn't make me like their chances. Not to say that it's the only factor. That's, I don't know the kid, Yeah, but I'm just saying, if I heard that Georgia had a much bigger package than everybody else out there, I'd feel a lot better about it. <laughs> Especially yeah. after the uh, Caleb Downs thing, you know, when yeah. Ohio State walks in and says, hey, we'll offer you three times what Georgia's offering. So, Yeah, and I think we, we pointed out on last week's show that, you know, it was good for Georgia. I think Trent said this. It was good for Georgia to get, you know, that first visit, um, you know, out of the – out of the three, he was here this past weekend. But, you know, like Jed said, it just kind of – it's just kind of uh, coming down to, I think, from what I've heard, just A&M and LSU. I believe it's been reported um, that either – it was either yesterday or today that Kirby um, was at home with him. I haven't seen the picture yet. Um, but, I mean, I think – I believe he's still uh, going to take another visit this weekend and – I just don't, I don't think he ends up in that class and, and in this class. And that's a good point, Roddy. You just brought up that, you know, if you haven't heard anything through the NIL channels, then that means that, you know, it kind of sounds like, you know, Georgia's was never really in it to begin with. Oh, I heard they're, they're, they're in it. They're just yeah. not as in it as the others. Yeah. That's so, what I would say. And uh, listen, I mean, you know, you give, they work for KJ Bolden. So, yeah. Dante Williams and Kirby Smart credit because this was a recruitment that Georgia was, was never didn't really seem to be seriously involved in for the entirety up until, I mean, if, if Terry Bussey signed in December, then it's, it doesn't matter. I, I don't know why he didn't, but um, so you, you, anytime you can get a five-star on campus for an official visit, especially that close to signing day, you got to take it, you got to give it a shot. Um, but I think it's going to be a case of um, just too much ground to make up in, uh, yeah. in two. I mean, this, this past weekend was his first visit to Athens and that's, you don't see a ton of guys of of that five star caliber commit to a place uh, having only been to campus once. So yeah, it works for Laramie Tunzel. Uh, he never even visited. You uh, gave it a shot, um, but I uh, I think they'll end up at uh, at LSU or A and M. But we'll keep an eye on it over the next uh, less than a week. I guess. Joe, sure, you heard anything about this kid? I know you know everybody in college football. I mean, I've I've just heard that he's a really good player, and. Uh, I know basically what you guys have said that you okay. know, it's down to a couple of people and Georgia's on the outside looking in, but uh, outside of that, that's fair. I, um, who, who else would be possible for this signing class? So one name that has popped on the radar, it's Jeremy Bell. Um, he's listed as a receiver from, uh, I think it's Clinch County. Yeah. Um, his tape looks really good. Um, he when he tweeted, he said, "Hey, I've got an offer from Georgia." 
Is it a preferred walk-on? Is it a scholarship? That part isn't really clear. I would guess preferred walk-on if, if you made me pick. Um, but you, but you look at his film. I mean, he looks like a guy who could, like like Joe was talking about. You find a guy with those tools, and then you you kind of you figure out the rest later. And, and his tape looks great. So I, I believe t- talking to some sources, I think Georgia wants him as a receiver. You know, I think he, he's gay six. I think we've got him listed at six one one seventy five. Um, so size wise, he could play a DB as well. I believe Georgia is looking to try to add him as a receiver. Um, so we'll see. He's going to be on campus this weekend for a visit. And I'm sure the, you know, if it is a preferred walk on the, the logistics of that, could NIL help with that? All those kind of things will be discussed this weekend, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, that's one that has kind of popped up. I mean, he, he announced the offer, I think earlier this week, maybe into last week. So that's going to be interesting to see and to see what comes at the visit this weekend. But yeah, really uh, Bell and and Terry Bussey are really kind of the only intrigue, I guess, left out there. Really across the country, there's not a whole lot of of guys, especially. I mean, Bussey is is committed to A and M still. Kevin Hughes is the guy who just committed to Maryland. I don't know how many uncommitted top two. There are not many. One or two. So here's the thing about like a kid like Bell. Um, it does get harder to understand if a kid's going to be a scholarship player or an nil player. And the way when I say NIL player, you can have a package where a kid can come to school and you say, look, we've got a hundred thousand dollar NIL deal for you or 30,000, whatever it is. And out of that, you can use it to pay your tuition. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you won't count as, you know, initial qualifier or whatever, you know, you, you count as a preferred walk on. You could do it with a, a five star guy. Say, look, you know, we've got this five hundred thousand dollar package for you. You go ahead and pay for your own school, you know, like 400,000 of it to do what you want to. But uh, part of your NIL deal for promoting my car dealership or my, you know, law firm is, you know, we'll give you extra money to pay your tuition. And now you don't even count as a a scholarship guy. You do a preferred walk on. You do everything that the scholarship guys do. You meet at the same time. You do all that stuff. So there are a few guys who you're like, well, he's not a scholarship player at Georgia. Yeah, but he's getting enough NIL to pay for all his schooling. He's getting enough to have walking around money to buy a car, to do all that stuff. So well, it's getting really weird. Roddy, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll chime in on this one a little bit in yeah. that Jeremy Bell is a kid that has multiple group of five opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. To, to go and play college football on a scholarship basis. And I think that at least, since Kirby's been there, you could say whether they bring the kid in accounting towards scholarship numbers or if they bring the kid in as a walk-on, they're just bringing the kid into their program. And That's a good point. Where, where the where the money goes in the column of who pays for tuition ultimately hasn't really mattered because you see with guys like McConkey or with um, – was a little slot returner guy this year that just went in the portal uh, from Muse. Yeah. You know, he, him and, and some other people. So whether or not Jeremy Bell would be a scholarship player at Georgia or not, I don't think that it would really matter because when you watch this kid play and you watch his tape, you see a guy who has the traits to play. Oh, in this look league. at that jump. Damn. 
Mm-hmm. And and I think it's one of those things that if if he ends up in Athens, you'll probably see him contribute. You know, so uh, from a from a fan's perspective, the people who are watching the show. Um, I don't think they really care if he's on scholarship or not. It's just like, hey, can you score touchdowns for Georgia? And mm-hmm. I think, and 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 I think that Jeremy Bell can score touchdowns for the University of Georgia. You know, so f- from that perspective, it doesn't really matter if he's on scholarship or not. And then, like you were saying, with the collective and the NIL, you know, these guys are—he's not going to be eating ramen noodles, trying to uh, ramen noodles and. Uh, with those little weenies and, and spam trying to, you know. Meaty weenies, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, ultimately. Let's not disparage beanie weenies, though. Because even though he's got all of these group of five offers, for the last two years I've had the kid rated as a, uh, as a power five type of player and have been sending him to power five clients to take a look at. And uh, on some level, I hope he goes to Georgia and balls out. And so I can tell all the people that pay us, you know, if you'll just listen every now and then, maybe we can help you out. And to add to your point, it really doesn't get much uh, more red clay than Clinch County. Hey, no, that's red clay right there, baby. Yeah, that's, that's- that is red clay right there. And, uh, well, yeah, you see him just lay a kid out. It's like, hey, guy, we're going to need you to block. We're going to need you to uh, return kicks. We're going to need you to – you might need to step in a quarterback in a uh, wildcat situation, you know, a little bit of and, everything. And I'd be I'd be 100% certain that the University of Georgia staff is comfortable with his why. You know, um, yeah. I, I don't think that they would go on him this late in the process if they didn't have a real good feel for what his why is and uh, knowing that staff and what they value in that why, this kid's probably a football junkie um, that just loves to compete and is probably tough as nails. Awesome. All right, so that was a question from uh, Seabuck11. He was asking about uh, Bell and then uh, uh, KSDJ1869 was asking about uh, Terry. We mentioned him. Uh, Cooper Dog 1972 says, Is Clemson a real shot with David Sanders? I think there's another David Sanders question. Is there any discussion of David Sanders playing defense in college from Pine Tree One? Uh, uh Kirby went to see David Sanders recently, so that, that kid could play defense if he wanted to. Uh, yeah. I think his ceiling is just so ridiculous as an offensive tackle. Um, it's it, he's just you talk, you talk about freak shows. That guy is as much is as much of a freak show as you're going to get as an offensive tackle. As far as Clemson, yeah, I think they are a real threat. I mean, even Adam Friedman, um, our Eastern, you know, whatever his, his title is, analyst, he was like, yeah, he, he's had a future cast in for Georgia for a while. And he said, I'm, I'm still confident, but Clemson is giving me reason to uh, pause there. And obviously Matt Luke just, just yeah. hired within the past month, I guess. Um he would have had a relationship with Luke going back to Luke's time at Georgia. So um, Clemson's a contender for sure. Um, closer to home than, than Athens is by a little bit. So um, it's a culture fit for him. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And he, he hasn't taken a lot of visits so far in, in the calendar year 2024, but he did make it over to Clemson for their um, 
you know, huge junior day. I think it was last weekend. So, um, yeah, Clemson is a, uh, a definite contender, top contender in the David Sanders uh, battle for sure. And about playing defense, I don't know if there's discussion, but I watched him go play yeah. every snap in an offense, defense, national championship game or state championship game. He, he, he can play defense. There's no question in my mind. It's, I go back to Isaac Nada. Are you a tight end or you're now a defensive end? Pick one. He could play at the college level at either way. Wasn't David Sanders hurt when you saw him play too and he just played through yeah, all that? He was freaking injured. He still played every snap but kickoff. So just psychopath. And again, the one won another state championship. Great dude. Um uh, Southern Dog 76 wants to know who's gonna be the next commit in the 25 class. That's a tough call. Yeah. Uh if I if I had to put money on it, yeah. Uh Elijah Griffin. You're just well, swinging from I mean, fences, aren't you? We were we were talking about Matt Zollers earlier, and he told me he's looking at committing um maybe in March or April. So that, that's still a ways away, but that's a, a guy who has a timeline kind of in mind. Yeah. Um but it, sure. but it would shock me either to see somebody just like Lance said just pop yeah. kind of not necessarily out of nowhere but but somewhat and it's interesting because I feel like at this point in the cycle last year Georgia had a few more of those 2024 guys on board. So uh yeah I wouldn't be surprised to see you know a couple guys hop on board in the 20 or hop on board in February now specific games yeah, February know. is good for them last year. Yeah. Yeah. So I I wouldn't be surprised at all to uh see a couple guys go in February. And if I remember correctly, Christian Garrett wants to commit. He told me before the summer yep. last week I put a note up on him on the vault. So there's one to watch as well from Prince Avenue. Got it. All right. Oh, uh last question from uh Space Pope Three. What is the uh decision timing for Jared Curtis? Well, when I spoke to him after he visited Georgia, he was saying he wanted to commit within the next month at the time, which would be kind of middle of February. Um, he, he was going to go to Ohio state and then there was some issues with that. That trip didn't happen. He was going to go to Oregon and there's, there's, there's been a lot of moving pieces as far as his visit schedule over the past uh, couple of weeks. I don't know if that February thing is still, um, if, if that's still the plan, I hadn't been able to get in touch with him and confirm, but last I heard, uh, that was that was his timeline was sometime in February. But again, with all the there's been a lot of uh, moving pieces and teams kind of shuffling around in that one. So I'm not sure if that's still the case or not. Yeah. Yeah, another question about how far out does Georgia start planning that uh, first uh, official visit weekend in June? I don't know, but I'm going to ask around. I think that that's a good question. I'd like to know how far out they plan that. And that is a good. I mean, question. I, mean I, I I would think in the spring because you know you get guys on campus for workouts and that shuffles up your board a little bit because the past couple of years that first weekend has been the the primo yeah. top of the line targets getting in yeah. so for for the 25 class you would think they would try to get elijah griffin in that weekend you try to get um david you know, Grady's your david yeah. sanders yeah and, and it's something that that happens with a lot of these guys too is the way Clemson does their recruiting, which is its own special brand of, of, uh, of, of, uh, their own special brand of recruiting over there. They have one official visit weekend. So a lot of these guys like David Sanders, like Elijah Griffin, who have Clemson as a contender 
they've already got that one weekend kind of marked off for Clemson. So um, all the more reason to get to, to get all those guys in on one weekend. But yeah, um, awesome. I would guess if I had to guess, maybe like April, middle of April, around um, uh, when G Day kind of wraps up. Because this somebody mentioned that that same question mentions the scavenger hunt. That's another weekend that's taken on a ton of importance over the past uh, past year or two. That's nuts. All right, folks, we went a little long tonight. That's because, uh, well, Joe just doesn't know when to shout up. Yeah, just, that's true. <laughs> that, that, hey, Joe, that was great. I got stuff. a story time and I let them all run together. <laughs> no, that is, uh, the folks that tuned in, we had a lot of good uh, comments in the comment section there because people realize, you know, you actually deal with these coaches, you deal with these players, you've seen them firsthand. Again, we re report on recruiting every day. You know, Lance has stories every day. Jed has stories every day. But the coaches aren't reading our stuff to find kids. They're actually mm -hmm. paying you to find these kids. And then they decide whether or not they want to take them or whether they want to offer them. So uh, for folks that are tuning in late, you know, having Joe on here, this is a guy who the coaches rely on to find them a kid in the eighth, ninth grade so that they can offer them early and get in ahead of everybody else and uh, build that relationship. And so we're going to have – he mentioned uh, – Four different guys on the defense in this past signing class that you need to pay attention to. And we're going to have him on either next week or the week after. And we're going to pepper him with questions about the 2024 signing class, some of the offensive guys, you know. And I remember Joe reaching out to me going, hey, yeah, that uh, ninth grader that Georgia just offered, his name's Terry Godwin, you know, out of uh, Hogansville. He's pretty damn good. Yeah. He goes, but he might play baseball but there's another one that they just uh, – now, this one happens to be a ninth grader also that may end up playing baseball too. His name is Cole Crawford. He just got an offer today from Carter. Yeah. And uh, I've known his dad. Oh, you the stuff. I've known his dad for a long, long time. But if you go look up Cole Crawford, probably, first thing that you see probably won't be his football profile. He's been the number one rated catcher in the country uh in his class for like the last three or four years he is a phenomenal phenomenal baseball player um his mother played baseball at Valdosta state she's actually from windsor canada and then uh his dad grew up in griffin and was the head coach at uh houston county for a while now is at cartersville he was the defense coordinator at houston when Fromm was uh at houston county um but his dad's a great guy, but Cole is an extremely talented athlete. Um, and he just, George offered him today. See, there you go. Hey, that's why we have Joe on. That's why we're going to have him on continuously. Now, one of the things that we're going to do next week or the week after, depending on when Joe's free, is we're going to send you to some of his social media spots. You're going to be sure that you want to follow Joe Winden on Twitter and TikTok and stuff like that because he's going to have some good content there as well. Today, we're just kind of introducing you to him or getting him out from behind the behind the scenes, if you will, putting him out in front of people, and that's only going to grow. So you be sure to remember the I name. I appreciate that. <coughs> hey, and the – If he doesn't choke and die, that is, you know. That's right. And, and, Jed, you can go ahead and rate this kid the number one running back in the country. His name is Landon William Callis from uh, Richmond High School in Texas. And if you're a fan of Georgia and you want to watch the next great back that University of Georgia is going to go get, watch him because that kid is phenomenal. Phenomenal. See? So this <laughs> no way, when you watch the tape, you're like, there's no way that kid's a freshman. 
right, save save some of these offensive guys for next week, Joe. Come on, man. We're trying to get off the. I'm giving you freshmen, man. They're freshmen. <laughs> All right. hey, everybody, we will see you, that guys, next week. Y'all take care. <laughs>